This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 273. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, welcome back to the show. My name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com. This is a Colored Pencil Podcast and I am your host. Today's show is another in our question call-in series shows, and today we're going to be talking about, we're going to be answering two questions that have come in related to reference photos. The artist is always trying to figure out how to navigate these tricky waters of getting more reference photos and appropriate reference photos. So let's go ahead and listen to the first question right now, and we'll tackle that first. Hi, John. I was wondering if you had any ideas on how to get original reference pictures for portraits. All right. Great question. How do you go about getting original reference photos for your portraits? It's something that we have to deal with. You'll run out of selfies. You'll run out of your kids, your spouse, mom and dad, grandparents, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews. Eventually, you will. So, do you just keep doing different angles and different poses of the same? Well, that's what a lot of artists do. Look around. That mode of operating may not fit your temperament. So, what are we left with? We can branch out. Sometimes that means going outside of our comfort zone, though, right? You're standing in line at the BMV. You notice somebody standing relatively close to you. You're thinking about, wow, that would be great if I could photograph this particular individual. And this may very well be my next drawing. Okay. That's all great. But how do you approach this person? Well, I'll tell you some things that I've done. This may or may not work for you. Hey, how are you today? Fine, how are you? You know, whatever. Small talk. Quickly transition into, I'm a portrait artist. I draw and paint people. I always put that I paint people because I paint with colored pencils. I don't go into all my details about what I do in my process or anything like that. I leave it very, very short and to the point. I just say, I draw and paint people. And I'm always looking for new faces Now, you may think that sounds really abrupt, and it could be if that's the next thing out of your mouth after, hi, how are you? (laughs) But uh, you you engage in small talk. I mean, he might be, hey, um, are you on lunch break? Or I don't know, whatever it is, you have to feel it out in the moment. But then you quickly transition into, hey, I'm a portrait artist, and I'm always looking for new faces. Um, Here's some of the work I've done, and just show them on Instagram very quickly something or whatever, and just say, uh, would you be up to letting me take a couple of reference photos of you? Uh, I've got a card here in case you're wondering if I'm legit. Uh, there's, you know, there's a card. And, you know, leave it at that. Just give them time to talk and uh, wait for a response. And chances are most of the time people are really flattered by that. And they say, oh, wow, yeah, cool. Or they'll say, oh, yeah, and if <laughs> you kind of notice by body language, that sort of thing, if they're kind of into that or not. If they're not, just leave it alone, you know, and uh, don't bother them. <laughs> 
But if it goes well, then you just say, yeah, I've got my phone right here. And your phones are really a great way to take references now. Okay, but that's not the reason why you're doing that entirely. All right, so listen, here's what I do. I just say, okay, yeah, I've got my phone right here. Um, I could take it right here, or if it's awkward, if it's a real crowded space. I mean, people don't want to be, you know, um, singled out and uh, made to feel awkward by you taking references as though there's some kind of runway model or something like that. So you either say, you know, yeah, I'll take a couple of shots here or, uh, you know, we walk outside for a second, I'll, I'll take a, a shot or two, if that's okay. Um, chances are they'll say, yeah, that's fine. They may feel a little awkward uh, slightly or something, and you say some things to make them feel a little bit better. And you tell them exactly what you want them to do. That's how to make them not feel awkward. You say, okay, can I have you... Just look right over here and you have them look away from you, not directly at you. Have them look away from you. If you want them to look directly at you, then tell them to look right over your shoulder and you point to something and you and you point over your shoulder. Say, just look right above my shoulder over here, something like that. Um, you're, if it's a stranger to you, that would feel so awkward for them to look straight into your camera or directly at you. OK, that's just something that I've kind of picked up. Uh, doing this for a little while. Um, have them look in a three-quarter turn, something like that. And then you only take a few shots. You say, ah, perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm always trying to find new faces. Don't compliment them on their outfit. Don't say anything about their eyes or their hair or their nose or their chin or mouth, because that's what we want to do. We want to say, oh, there is something about you that just struck me, and I just have to draw this. You know, but that weirds people out and it makes it an extremely creepy situation. <laughs> you don't want to be Mr. Sketchy or Mrs. Sketchy. Okay. Now, then the second thing is, and if if you are approaching the opposite sex, I suppose even the same sex, you want to be careful and uh, just make sure that it doesn't sound like a come on, like you're trying to hit on somebody or anything like that. All right. So the next thing is, after you give them that card, they may ask follow-up questions. They may be curious about certain things, but try to keep it brief and just say, hey, you know, if you uh, want, I can send you these. Um, if that's, you know, entirely up to you, just email me. My email's on the card and, uh, you know, I, I can get back with you, whatever your comfort level is there. I, I don't think that I would give a phone number. You just have to kind of feel that part out, but an email is fine. Um, 60 to 70 percent of the time you may not hear from them. I don't know. That, that's, you know, that's changed for me. Uh, years ago, it was maybe I would hear from somebody um, 10, maybe 20 percent of the time. Now, um, it's, it, it usually happens where I hear from them nearly nearly every time. After I've done that. Okay. So when you hear from them, then uh, in the email correspondence, then you say, hey, I would like to follow up on this. You know, they'll say something about, hey, uh, how about those reference photos? You follow up and say, I'd like to uh, talk with you over the phone if that's okay. You know, the point is you want to meet with them in person again so that you can bring your better camera. 
if that's an option and tell them, you know, I'd like to meet up again. I didn't quite get uh, the shot I was looking for. Is uh, is it all right if we can uh, meet up and I'll bring my better camera? Um, and if you're open to that, I will also provide you with the proof. So, you know, I'll give you all of the reference shots as well. I uh, usually take, you know, between 50 and 300 uh, shots and I'll give those all to you. They're high res and I can even develop them a little bit in Photoshop, some of my favorites for you. So that's what I would do. And what I usually do is I, I give them about, you know, I tell them, you know, we're going to take that mini or whatever. Um, and then I tell them how long it takes me to do that. Someone here is 300 photo references. They're like, wow, I don't have all day to spend with this dude. Uh, or, you know, I, I, I can't commit half a day to this person. Um, you talk about how it might benefit them. And then you tell them this should only take about 10 to 20 minutes. And why do you tell them that? Because it should only take 10 to 20 minutes and that's about it. It shouldn't take very long. Now, are you going to get 300 shots in 20 minutes? You could. If you put it on burst mode and you keep them moving and you direct everything they do and you say, okay, give me a little smile right here. How about a smile with no teeth right now? How about that? You know, and you ask them to do what you want and, and you, you don't leave it up to them. Um, people are more comfortable with that, by the way, than you just telling them, oh, you know, go ahead and pose the way you want, do whatever you want to do. I'll just be over here taking some shots. That's so awkward for them. So you kind of have to put yourself in their shoes a little bit. Think about what it might feel like to be doing what they're doing. Okay. So if they bite at that, if they say, okay, yeah, sounds great. I'll, I can meet up with you. And then, um, you can off if they're, if they're open to that, you, you know, this, this is one of those things where it's a give and take and you keep the conversation going and you don't just offer everything all at once. You don't tell them, and I can, you know, uh, meet up with you. And by the way, I want to meet here on this day and all you don't do that. You keep a conversation going. And what if they don't re reply to you? Um, then give it two weeks. If they haven't replied in two, people are busy. People are very, very busy. I'm very, very busy. You're very, very busy. Um, sometimes things fall off the radar. You're not high on the priority list, and which is understandable. And so if you don't hear from them in a couple of weeks, maybe three weeks, just follow up and say, hey, just wanted to see if you got this and I uh, want to follow up with you. I'm uh, still open to you know blah, blah, blah. Then when you meet them and you're getting your reference shots, be sure and take with you two contracts. And you have them sign both contracts. They're a duplicate of the same thing. And so you have a copy. They have a copy. It's signed and dated. And it says that you have the right to use their image. And you make sure that that you do that, that you have that all written out. And uh, you want to cover yourself. And you cover them as well by doing that. Okay. That's how that's done. And that works, like I said, moderately well. It's working better and better for me uh, lately. All right. So what about uh, a different situation? What if, what if you're not one of these people that, um, you know, you're not comfortable doing that and you don't see anyone uh, to be able to do that? Well, what about large groups that you go? Do you go to church? 
Do you go to any civic events? Are you a member of a local uh, community um, theater group? Or, you know, there's a, a number of things that you probably are involved in, and there are groups of people there. Now, maybe there's nobody in that group that interests you. Chances are there are people that interest you. But those people know people who know people who know people, right? And so you kind of get the word out that you're looking for new faces. And you don't have to, you're going to have a, a little, you know, prima donna. You're going to have a everyone look at me person come up and say, oh, would you please take my photo? Would you please draw me? I can't wait. I really want you to draw me. And um, you politely say, yeah, I'll, I'll take some uh, references of you. That's fine. And you take the references um, and you, who knows, you may decide you want to draw that particular person. You may decide that you don't want to, and that's perfectly fine. So don't let that bother you. Um, just take the reference and uh, and you just tell them, say, you know, I, I'm not sure yet if I'm going to draw you, but I've got it as a reference now. Thanks so much for your time. Blah, blah, blah. All right. I don't know why I'm saying blah, blah, blah um, today. I don't know. Just ignore that, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So that's how I would handle that. But let's go to another scenario. Let's go to another method that I've used. And I know other artists have used it. I interviewed uh, Tracy Fine not that long ago. And he uh, advertises and asks for... Um, uh, models to come and pose for him. I've done that as well, and that works okay also. So how do you do that? Well, you you run an ad. So you can do that in Craigslist. Um, you just have to be careful about how you word everything. And, uh, you know, there's other ways of doing it. I mean, you could, you could run a Facebook ad. Uh, you could, you know, run ads on social media. There's different ways of doing that. And um, I... I would say that that to be real honest, I've I've done a couple that way, and it's it was um, I want to say not as successful as uh, just approaching people, but um, sometimes I bomb whenever I'm approaching somebody, and I know if I'm bombing, I know if I'm not doing it right, and uh, and I just you know pick up the pieces and go home and. Uh, stand in the corner for a little bit and think about how awkward that was that I did that and and I try to do better next time. Um, but the reason why I guess I'm hesitating is because when you are running an ad and if you get someone to reply to that, um, then sometimes you're getting someone who um, does that professionally, like they'll they'll sit professionally. And that, that leads me to a final thing I want to say about it. You can approach a local art group and uh, or a, an art college or, um, you know, some place like that, a guild. They already have an established relationship where they have a list of sitters that will come and will pose while they do life drawing and different things like that. And so they've got uh, an active list of people that they know are looking for uh, some jobs where they'll come and pose. So that's a good way to do that as well. The thing is, you're going to get a higher caliber uh, person to pose for you when you get someone who's used to doing it. And you don't have to tell them every little thing 
uh, most of the time. They can uh, improvise a little bit because they've done it before and they know how to do it. And that was my experience whenever I used professional models. They already knew what you're looking for. And it's kind of amazing. It's just like, okay. Because one time I got someone who um, was waiting in line at the airport. You know, we were um, on different flights, I think. But anyway, they were waiting in line and uh, they were very, very awkward. I got the shots, but they were just really awkward and it showed on their face. <laughs> uh, so maybe I was awkward and I made them feel awkward. Didn't mean to. But anyway, so that can happen. All right. I hope that that helps. Um, it is a problem. It, I mean, it's it's a dilemma that we have, especially as artists who draw people. All right. Here's our next question today. Hi, John. This is Akuna Berkori, and I have a question for the podcast series that you're doing. I would like to get your opinion on uh, reference pictures photo references uh, on a legal side used in educational purposes versus commercial use purposes. What would you suggest how to go about choosing appropriate photo references so you don't get in a legal sort of trouble? I would love to hear your opinion on that. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Okay, that's a great question. Is there a difference between using a reference photo for educational purposes versus using a reference photo for commercial use? How do you choose an appropriate photo reference so you don't get into any legal trouble? Excellent question. I have to preface all of this by just saying these are only my opinions that I'm going to give. Uh, I did not consult a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. You should not construe this as legal advice, and you should consult an intellectual property attorney or someone who has uh, knowledge about dealing with copyright law or anything related to uh, commercial use for photography and or art. Okay. But I will tell you my opinion and, and what I've done, what I tell my students to do, and what I try to do myself. I'm working for a long, long time creating my artwork, honing my craft, making it available for the world. And then I turn around and I say, look, world, here is the expression. After I spent hours and hours creating my artwork. I know some artists, they spend hundreds of hours, some I think thousands of hours creating their artwork. I've done that, and now I release it, and I say, here it is. This is what I've created. Somebody comes along and they say, here it is. This is what I've created. If I look at that, and I noticed an eerie resemblance to what I just created. What's that going to do to me? Put yourself in those shoes. What's it going to do to you? Think about the last piece of art you created. Now think about somebody else coming along and taking that artwork 
and recreating that and saying it's theirs, that they, this is their artwork. This, this is what I created, not you. How does that feel? <laughs> not very good, right? Doesn't feel very good. Okay. If I go to Google and I type in something, I find a reference photo and I say, wow, that looks great. I'm going to use that. This is going to be my next piece of art. If I never paid attention to anything else and I didn't care about the source and I just grabbed this random photo, it felt like to me, and I copied from that and I recreated something, how do you think the artist is going to feel? Oh, did, did you think that that person wasn't an artist? You know, and I'm not, the caller here, I'm not picking on you at all. I, I'm, I'm being a little tongue-in-cheek to make a point. A photographer, a photographer is an artist. You're an artist. Maybe you're not a photographer. Maybe you do photography as well. But a photographer is an artist. A videographer is an artist. If I take a still in the middle of a movie and I draw from that, I didn't steal anybody's intellectual property. There are no copyright laws on that piece of the film. No, there are. There are. And so you did create a derivative work, and which would be fine, I suppose, if you got permission and if you were granted permission to recreate that derivative work in the way that you wanted to recreate it. So a lot of fan art, this is the reason why I don't like fan art. I don't do fan art. Well, I take that back. I shouldn't say I don't like it. I do like it. I like seeing some of it. But I always think about the fact that it's, it's just a little tacky. I'm sorry, but, and if you do fan art, I, I'm sorry that we disagree on this, but it's just a little tacky to recreate something and you don't have permission to really do that. Now, maybe you're someone who does fan art and you do have permission, you know, that's great. I think that's wonderful. And, you know, props to you for getting that set up and for contacting uh, the original photographer or videographer and getting that contract set up. That is, that is incredible. Uh, would love to have you on the podcast and we'll talk about it. But on the other hand, what, so what are the differences? So somebody goes online, I'm going to draw a dog. I'm going to draw, I don't know, a pit bull. It seems like pit bulls are so popular now. I'm going to draw a pit bull. I just think they're so beautiful, cute, and adorable, and lovely. And I grab 10 different photos of pit bulls on the internet. And I didn't care about any of the licensing or royalties on these particular photos. doesn't matter to me if they're copyrighted or anything like that. Um, what I'm going to do with those is I'm going to look at them and I'm going to perhaps uh, just sketch on uh, a throwaway sheet of paper when I'm looking at these uh, photos and 
I'm trying to learn the angle of the jaw. I'm trying to get the relationship between the nose and the snout and where uh, the jawline is and where the ears are and all of that stuff. And then I take those photos after that's kind of firmly planted in my mind. Maybe I've done a dozen of, of these thumbnail sketches, just looking at these references, trying to learn dogs, trying to learn this breed. And then I rip that up and throw it away. Does that matter? No. I don't think it matters. Doesn't matter to me if I did that for myself. But on the other hand, what if I do some of those quick sketches and I love it? And I say, wow, that turned out really well. I think I'll sell some uh, prints of that and I'm going to post that on social media and I'm going to tell all my friends about it. Then we might have a problem. So my advice is why not just from the very beginning decide, okay, this is a line for me. There is a line in the sand that I won't cross, and I'm not going to take someone else's property and pretend it's my own or use it for myself. You can look online and you'll see all kinds of different little formulas. Oh, if you change it 10%, then uh, it's not a derivative work or it's or up to 60%, I think I've seen, then it's not a derivative work anymore. Um, you know, do you want to risk everything on that? No. And I don't think I don't think that that is legal advice either. Nothing is really decided until it's decided in court, right? And so if someone copies a photo, it doesn't matter who it is. If you copy a photo, if I copy a photo, then that means I've already taken someone's intellectual property. I've already copied an artist when I've done that. So that's the reason I advocate for learning to take your own photo references. It's not that hard anymore, right? To get access to a good camera, sometimes it's that camera right there in your pocket right now. And so if you can grab your cell phone and take your own references, you're always, 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 always going to be better off doing that. But you may say, well, I don't have access to uh, an African lion or uh, be able to take a shot of the Milky Way the way uh, some other photographer can do it or fill in the blank and whatever it is you want to uh, paint or draw. Well, that's understandable. And so there's a number of sites that make it very easy for you to get the permission from the photographer. Some are royalty free. They make it uh, very easy for you to just go ahead and and use uh, just thousands and thousands, literally hundreds of thousands. I think Pixabay has over a million uh, different images that you can use without any attribution at all to the photographer. So you can do that. I used to think that, you know, doing that, and I, I still kind of think this a little bit, but doing that, um, it, it kind of makes your artwork a little ho-hum, sort of, because anyone can create that artwork. Because you, that's one reason. Secondly, you are not the artist if you're only copying that photo, you know. You're not the original artist is what I'm trying to say. You copied from uh, what someone else uh, decided to uh, to say, you know, 
which is fine if that's what you want to do. And and you are an artist. I'm not saying you're not an artist. You're not the original artist, though. And then thirdly, you have stripped part of the creative process out of your job as an artist to create your artwork. Now, do I think it's bad to go to Unsplash or to Pixabay or to Flickr or what? Fill in the blank. Pixel is uh, Pixels is another big one. You know, wh- whatever it is. Do I think that's bad and awful, evil and tacky and all that? No, I don't. And I think it's a great way to learn. Great way to learn. I think copying is a great way to learn. I think copying the masters is a great way to learn. And copying from what other uh, photographers do is a great way to learn. Um, I just, I don't, you cannot convince me that it is the best way for you to express your ideas from your own head. I just don't think it's the best way. Okay. Do I disagree with everyone or anyone that does that? No, I don't. I usually just keep my opinions to myself, but someone asked my opinion about this and I'm going to tell them that I think the best way, and this is what I will always encourage my students to do. It's what I even do in the beginner's colored pencil course. I try to help beginners learn how to take their own photo references and then draw and create art from their own photo references. I just don't think it's that difficult to do anymore. And I'm not going to argue with anyone who disagrees with that, but I just think it's a good approach to do it yourself from start to finish. Now I'll tell you another reason why I think it's great. The final reason before I go. Because if you ever want to show your work, there's a sense of pride that goes into just saying, yeah, I I took this. This is my own reference. This was from my own head. This is something I decided to do. And there's just nothing quite as satisfying as that. There really isn't. Uh, One last bonus. I said one more. So this is a bonus, I guess. Um, That is that if you ever want to enter your work into an art show or a competition or contest, then most of the time what I've seen is that you need to be the originator of that artwork. And you have to be in order for it to be uh, eligible to be entered into that show. Okay. So that's another thing. And why would you enter shows? Well, there's a lot of reasons to enter shows, but one thing is it keeps you on your toes. It makes you think about decisions and choices that you make, and it makes you become a better artist whenever you think about the fact that others will be scrutinizing this work. So it's another good thing to do. All right. I won't get sidetracked. I'm going to wrap it up right there. Great questions. Keep them coming in. If you want to submit a question to the show, it's super easy to do. All you got to do is go over to sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. There's a little banner sticks out over there on, I'm t- telling you about the experience on a desktop computer um, or laptop. You go over and uh, you see a banner on the right-hand side and it says send voicemail. You simply click on that, pops open a little box that just says send a voice message to John. And you have an opportunity to start recording. You listen to it. You can re-record. You can cancel or hit send. And it'll send it away. And thanks to Speed Pipe, Speak Pipe for that. Also, you, if you'd rather do it on the phone, you can just call it in by dialing 513-301-0005. 513 
301-0005. There's not an opportunity to re-record it there. You just have to um, know what you're going to say or write it down, perhaps, and just give me your question and then hang up. All right, this is a weekly show. I'll see you back here again. Same time, same place, right? Monday morning at 3 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time is when this podcast is released. So until then, take care and stay sharp. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.